Thank you, Travis and Laura, for ministering in music. If you sing upon or meditate upon what they sang and some other scripture, thinking about the fact that God, who he is in his awesome character and his being, came among us. Enough to blow your mind away. You think about that very long. So if you want to blow your mind on something good, <laughs> think about God among humans. Last week we began to discuss some, what I just call words of counsel, concerning idolatry in light of some things we discussed in Genesis. And the first item we had mentioned was to glory in Christ. The believer is in Christ, glory in Christ, he is our life, and so on. Second item is to know and live God's pattern of authority. Let's take our Bibles and look at several passages briefly. The first one would be Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. In chapters 1 through 11, Paul has discussed what I would say doctrine. He's discussed sin, discussed Salvation discussed what we have in Christ, God's sovereignty. Chapters 12 through 16, living out those truths, those doctrines. And it says in chapter 13 and verse 1, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He's God's servant, an ancient agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We read this portion of Scripture when he says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except which God has established. Keep in mind that was written during the time of Roman rule. And Roman rule in the time of Paul before and after was not a pleasant thing. Christians did not fare well, but yet he says, submit to governing authorities. The authorities that exist have been established by God. You think about the Nero, or not Nero, but Nebuchadnezzar, you know, who took captive Many Israelites defeated Jerusalem. He was set up by God. And in light of that, 
submit to authorities. Let's go to another passage over to Hebrews chapter 13. It's so shifting gears a little, but still in the area of authority. In chapter 13 of Hebrews, the writer is giving some concluding exhortations. And in Hebrews 13 and verse 7, he says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. He's talking to believers. And he's telling believers to consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So the believers following the life, imitating the faith of their spiritual leaders. Skip down to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. He's talking spiritual leaders in the church. He says, obey your leaders, submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. The early church, the writer of Hebrews would be saying, listen to your pastor, elders, obey them, submit to them. Why? They keep watch over you. And I think sometimes in our culture today, we struggle with the whole issue of the role of leaders in a church and following. He says, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Whether it be myself or whether it be elders and maybe to some extent deacons, we are responsible to some extent or guiding believers to live properly. And he says, obey your leaders, submit to their authority. They will give an account. The church leader will give an account to God for how they lead. The follower will give an account for how they follow, not how the leader leads or changing the leader. We'll touch more on that in just a moment. Obey them so that their work will be a joy. So as we think about authority, you know God's pattern of authority, we touched on marriage, you know, husband-wife relationship, husband leading. We checked, touched on parents and children, parents seeking to teach, children being willing to submit to their authority. And within the body of Christ, we just read Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 17. I would pose a question for parents and grandparents. Do you follow your church leaders? Your children observe that. Having attended church most of my life, well, all of my life, basically, I guess, and growing up in a home that... uh, having dad who was involved in church leadership sometimes and then other times he wasn't. The way my parents talked about church leaders had a very profound impact upon me. They generally followed them. Didn't always agree, 
but accepted them. That had a profound impact, prevented a lot of problems in my life. We also have the whole authority structure of government, which we read in Romans chapter 13. See, we're not responsible for making sure the government does everything right. We're responsible for submitting them, honoring them, and respecting them. We say, I don't like what the government does. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to obey, submit, pray, and so on. You say, I got to change it. Well, maybe in our country we can you know, have a role in seeking to vote someone in or out, or you know, we might be able to write a letter or email or whatever, but we're still responsible for obedience. Think about the fact that when we do not submit to governmental authority, we're opening ourselves to idolatry and opening idolatry in the life of our families. Because if we don't submit to governmental authority, we're not submitting to God's authority. If we're not submitting to God's authority and then not governmental authority, what do we model? And then also there's this issue of authority in, on the job setting and the school setting. And I think that would tie in some with a slave servant in Ephesians chapter 5, but also in relation to... Uh, School, it might tie in with government. You know, the government says you've got to have schooling and, you know, the way schools are set up, you know, there's teachers, etc. And again, for those of you who are students, what you do with authority in school will have a very profound impact upon you as an adult as it relates to following God. I don't know what happened to all the kids that I went to school with and graduated with, but some of them, there's a direct parallel between what happened in their adult life and how they lived in school and obeyed and responded to the principal and the rules of the school and the teachers. We submit to God's authority by submitting to earthly authority. Resist or neglect earthly authority, and you resist God's authority, thus moving into idol worship, opening yourself to idols. We must trust God and show it by submitting to those in authority over us. We show trust in God by submitting to his pattern in earthly authority. We can't live in Christ when we resist God's authority. In my own personal opinion, I think one of the primary problems in Christianity today is authority. Many growing people do not submit to authority. So they're teaching the younger generation not to submit to authority. I just want you to think back a, through year, back a few years. I've heard over and over again the world is messed up, but our country is really messed up. It's not what it used to be. Young people, and you know, they'll go on to describe young, young people, they don't listen and so on. 
is there any parallel between what may be happening with some young people, and I don't put all young people in the same category, okay? But those that would say young people are just not really living right and they're resisting authority, is there any parallel to their parents and to their grandparents doing the same thing? I grew up in the 50s and 60s. The 60s were not a good time for authority. It was a hippie generation. A lot of demonstrations, you know, against authority. Those people opening themselves to idols raise children, and now their grandchildren may be very open to idolatry and into all kinds of things in life. Because of several generations earlier resisting authority. I'm talking governmental authority there. Thus the body of Christ struggles in submitting to authority. We say schools are bad today. I'm not debating that one way or the other, but it certainly wasn't an angelic school setting when I was in school. Some of the things that happened at Middleburg High School would make things that happen in school today look pretty good. My only point is, it's not a new problem. But what happened generations back when you look at a generation today, we say, well, they're not where they should be. What happened the previous generation, the generation before that, and the generation before that? There is a reaping. A husband and a father who does not lead and love and teach his family is resisting God's authority. And if he is resisting God's authority, he's opening the door to idols. Adam did that. Adam did not lead Eve. What happened? Ended up following Satan. Wives who do not follow their husband's leadership open the family to idolatry. I realize I'm saying this as a Man, but for those of you who have children and are mothers, the way you talk about your husband will impact your children and your grandchildren. The way a husband talks about God and governmental authority will influence generations. The way a mother talks about her husband will influence generations because it's a whole issue of authority. I may not always agree, agree with the authority over me. I'm not responsible for changing them. I'm responsible for submitting. Ruth Ann may not always agree with me. She's not responsible for shaping me up. She's responsible for following me. You say, I don't think he's right. 
not her job to change me. Her responsibility to submit to God by following my leadership. Well, I still think he's wrong. Same pattern. Believers who do not follow pastor and elders, just do their own thing and know what their own way and I'm talking the demanding part. I'm not talking giving constructive input. I think is opening the church to some extent to idols. I haven't done a detailed study, but I've done an observation that it's rare for a church to be blessed by God when leaders are not leading and followers are not following. Oh, they may appear to do well on the outside, but there's not that in Christ, there's not that maturity that comes through Christ because believers may not follow. But on the same token, pastors and elders who don't lead or who are looking out for themselves also open the church to idolatry. It's not a one-way street. They have a responsibility to God. A pastor and elders may say, well, the people aren't following. That's not your job to make them follow. Your responsibility is to yield to God and make sure you will stand approved by God. Citizens who disobey the authority over them, whining, complain a lot, maybe leading and opening their nation to idol or greater idol worship. See, when we don't listen to God's authority, by listening to an earthly authority, we get into trouble. Sometimes we complain and say the United States has a problem, you know, and part of the problem is that we have taken the Bible out of schools and we've taken prayer out of schools. I would say let's step back and go a little deeper. Have believers refused to submit to the God-ordained authorities that God designed and we're reaping some of the consequences in our nation? If the body of Christ is not following God's pattern of authority, what do we open ourselves to? And what do we open our nation to? Resist authority, and we open ourselves to move into idols. Look at Adam and Eve, look at Israel. Look at Saul, and we could look at many, many other characters down through the pages of history. Any comments before we go on? So we submit to God's authority by submitting to earthly authority. To be honest, I don't always like that. Someone told me something this week about 
a situation that involves our government. It involves our county to some extent. And it involves me because my interaction with the person that's involved in this whole deal. When the person told me what was happening, my initial response inwardly was, not so good. Now maybe I ought to take a couple of lawyers and you know, do a few things here. <laughs> not that I could. That was my initial response. I stepped back mentally. My response to the person was, well, that's what happened. We have to accept it. Keep our perspective correct. A third item, beware of appearances. Beware of appearance. Images that neglect words. Go to 1 John chapter 2. We already spent a fair amount of time in Genesis chapter 3 a while back. In Genesis 3, you know that the serpent came. He was beautiful. And we know too that he talked about the fruit and what it could do. And when Eve saw that the fruit was good for food and so on, you know, she, she took some and gave some to Adam. And then in chapter 2 of 1 John, Verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Notice what he says, for everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what one has and does. Think about how much of that it ties in with appearance. Particularly the lust of the eyes. No, we see things that are present, that appear. The craving of the sinful man, how much of what we crave is related to how something appears. The boasting of what one has and does. Those who boast of what they have often has to do with things, appearance. Consider how often Israel get into trouble due to images. Just want to do some thinking. Jesus Christ came as the Word. First, or I'm sorry, John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He came as the Word. God gave scripture words. He didn't give a picture book. He gave scripture words. I'm not saying picture books are wrong. I'm just doing some thinking here. The Ten Commandments forbid images of God in worship. You ever consider why? 
Question. Is a picture worth a thousand words? I'm not saying it is or isn't. Is a picture worth a thousand words? I've heard that statement quite often over the years. Is a picture worth a thousand words? No? Any comment beyond that? <laughs> Okay. Mm -hmm. Any other response? Okay. By the way, I'm not saying pictures are wrong, you know. I just <laughs> Any other response? Beware. Think about TV, movies, computer games. How much of that ties in with appearance? TV is basically images, not words. All the people are speaking, but images are involved. Again, I'm not saying TV is wrong. Think about movies. A lot of images, appearances. Computer games. And I'm talking the computer games that uh, are not very good. It deals with images, appearances. I saw in the paper that, and the reason I took note of it is because I grew up in the area in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. They actually lived in Sealands Grove, but it was listed under Sunbury. There was a couple that had been married three weeks. And the girl on Craigslist advertised herself in some way, picked up a 42-year-old. She was 18 or 19 with her husband of three weeks behind the seat, you know, behind the front seat, picked up the guy, and according to what the paper says, when she gave the signal, he then put something around the guy's neck, and she stabbed him repeatedly. And he was murdered. They'd been just wanting to murder someone. And I would pose a question. And I don't have an answer, and I'm not looking for one. What appearances, what images have they seen? I don't know what you play on the computer, or what your children may play, or if you're a child, what games you play on the computer. But beware of what you play. Anyone ever hear, hear of Minecraft, I think it is? Minecraft? Mindcraft. 
I think you would do well to think twice before you go there at all. That's one among many. Why? We're opening ourselves to idols. Appearance is used over and over again by the enemy. Images, you know, where words are neglected. Scripture emphasizes very strongly Think, reason, meditate. Think, reason, meditate. Words require a different brain function than images. saying everything that you see, pictures are wrong. I'm just saying, think about the impact. And then we wonder why certain things happen in our world or in our country. Are we opening ourselves to idols? I find it interesting over the years, as TV has become an in thing, as a lot of movies have become so readily available, and you know you have all kinds of things that you can do with your phone. You know you can get on anything you want, basically. That our culture is changing slowly. We don't think and reason as well. We don't meditate as well. Not the first time that has happened in history. (laughs) We wonder why certain things happen in our country, in our world. That's a very, very strong parallel to what we do with appearance and images. You read the book of Revelation, you will find that there's a tremendous amount said about appearances and images. Is God setting up for the last times with some of what he is allowing in the world? We as believers do not need to buy into that. You go back to Genesis 3. Appearance, the way something looked, the way it appeared, how the serpent appeared. Open the door to idolatry. And that hasn't changed since the beginning of time. Nothing new just takes on a different form as the world changes. Any comments, questions before we wrap it up?
that has changed a lot. What used to bother us might not bother us now. <laughs> you know, as, whether it be individually or as a culture. Any other comments, questions? And just some thoughts as it relates to idols, as you look at the totality of Scripture on how the enemy may work. And in light of what I said about appearances and images and so on, I'm not in any way saying go home and throw your TV out and throw your computer out and so on. I might warn you to be careful what you watch, what you do with your computer and what games you play on the computer, because that does come out in your lifestyle the way you relate. Several people I know, they're just in a different world. They communicate differently. You try to get into their world, you try to communicate with them, it's almost impossible. Why? Because of what they're doing with the computer and their games. The type of games that they are. You know, it's changing the way they live and respond. Father, we love you. We want to be faithful to you. We're thank, or thankful that as we look at our world, we may see things changing. But that's been true down through the ages. We know that there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon got himself into trouble because he resisted your authority. And he bought into appearances, the appearance of women and the gods they served. We can look at Old Testament Israel and we find that they got themselves into trouble again and again because they resisted your authority, king's authority, and then they bowed down to images and moved very far from you. And in our own lives, we know that the same potential is there for us. We want to remain faithful to who we are in Christ. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.